From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this edition, the House is expected to vote later today as you're calling for President Trump to be removed from office through the use of the 25th Amendment. Knowing that that won't go anywhere, they're also planning a vote tomorrow to once again impeach President Trump. Congressman Michael Burgess of Texas, who is a member of the House Rules Committee and has been in the the deliberations today, joins us with more a little later. And will the tech giants exercising their monopolistic control succeed in their efforts to crush competitors like Parler? It now appears Parler may have found a new home. We'll talk with uh, Doug McElway, a correspondent at Washington Examiner. In just a moment. And many on the left who say they are for restoring American democracy and civility are making lists. What's on their list? Well, we'll talk about it because it tells a lot about their true intentions. And Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. Now, we can't think this moment is unique or isolated from the rest of history, lest we become discouraged. The 21st century tech giants, I tell you what, they look a lot like the robber barons of the late 1800s, which, by the way, if you know your history, triggered a significant political and cultural wave that shaped the 20th century. We'll talk about it with Professor Dave Bratt, the dean of School of Business at Liberty University. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Not on parlor right now, so I can't give you out that handle. It's TonyPerkins.com. Now, I did say yesterday, many of you uh, text us, and I've revised that a bit. Same number, but if you signed up yesterday, you're good. You're good. But to make it easy for you, if you want to stay connected, and I encourage you to do so, because the only real estate, the virtual real estate we can control are our own, like website. And so if you want to stay connected with us in what is happening, text the word STAND, something that should be familiar with you if you're from. A regular listener, stand. Text the word stand to 67742. That's 67742. Text the word stand to 67742. And that way you will stay connected, come what may. All right. Uh, as we talked about extensively yesterday, Parler over the weekend appearing to be the victim of a coordinated effort from the big tech giants was booted off. Uh, the uh, the servers of Amazon, their app was taken down by Apple, Google removing them. And uh, so now they're looking for a home. It appears they may have found one. Join me now to talk more about the tech giants and how they're curbing free speech and what the future looks like is uh, the Washington Examiner's Doug McElway. Doug, welcome to the Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. Good to hear from you again. Well, good to have you on the program, Doug. Thanks so much for for joining us. So what's the latest on Parler? Well, uh, they remain in limbo. If you if you try to log on to it, you get a a, a screen, uh, an opening screen that says uh, it seems that we are either over capacity or you are experiencing a poor network connection. I, I did a piece on this yesterday for the examiner. And I started that piece off with uh, that scene from 2001, A Space Odyssey, where the astronaut who's in his little pod outside the spaceship, the mothership, says, open the pod bay doors, Hal. And Hal, of course, being the the supercomputer which controls everything, responds, I'm sorry, Dave, I can't do that. (laughs) And I don't know if it was a perfectly apt analogy, but it sort of reminded me of where we are right now with these uh, platforms being shut down by big tech and it's not it's not just uh parlor that's being affected and the big tech companies who are imposing these kinds of restrictions these kinds of censorships include google amazon facebook twitter instagram TikTok, apple and pinterest i suspect there's probably more than that but that's the ones i was able to track down yesterday so, uh, Doug, some reports out that uh, Parler may be in conversations with a, um, a host. Um, I, I think it's called Epic. I'm not sure. E-P-I-K. Uh, is that is, is there any truth to that? I hadn't seen that. Uh, I'm sure they're on the lookout for some other, uh, you know, some other entity that can provide servers that protects them from this kind of censorship. Um I, I know that the uh, CEO of Parler did an interview with Fox News over the weekend in which he said it would take a week or so for them to get back up. Uh, I, I believe he mentioned the, the number of 600 servers 
which uh, produce the product that the parlor uses. So they would need to replace that. It's it's not uh, not an easy endeavor, but it's one that certainly can be uh, uh, undertaken. I also took an interesting uh, look, uh, look at, a, at a tweet from um, uh, uh, having a senior moment right here. The Tesla Tesla owner, te- Tesla creator, mm-hmm. uh, Elon Musk. Uh, who is a vehement critic of what's going on with high, big tech and, and, and this kind of censorship. And he says it should not be happening. It so happens that Elon Musk is the world's richest man, so he's certainly in a position to create his own infrastructure that would allow for the exercise of free speech. Now, Doug, I think I saw a, a piece you did earlier today, a report you did for the Washington Examiner, that suggests that there are uh, some alternative ideas that are out there in laboratories, some of them being launched, that could uh, provide uh, really a, a strong competition to Twitter. Yeah, I, in fact, I did an interview with uh, David Galerter, who is a, a Yale computer scientist, but he's, he's much more than that. In fact, I, I sought him out because I've read uh, a couple of his books. He's, he's a brilliant, brilliant man who was very much uh, instrumental in the creation of, of cloud computing and, and other uh, sweeping uh, architectures of, of the modern age, of the digital age. He's also uh, a huge appreciator of, of the arts, of philosophy, has broad knowledge. He's a big thinker. So I intentionally sought him out, and I was re- very thankful that uh, he agreed to do an interview with me. And he said he said that uh, they are working at, at Yale University on new technology that would involve blockchain, and I don't, I'm not familiar with the details of, of blockchain. Um, but if I can find what he told me exactly, I have the piece uh, up here in front of my face. Um, he, he said that, uh, well, he said basically that they're working on new technology that would allow individual internet users to be the proprietors of their own information. It would be secure. It would belong to you. This is what blockchain would enable. And they're, they're working on it at Yale University. It would be a version of Twitter, for example, but much more powerful, he said. Uh, and there are other universities and other uh, consortiums which are working on this kind of thing. Uh, he said it would take, you know, a, a really well-endowed, rich guy, somebody with very deep pockets, and anywhere up to 25 really good computer programs in, in several months, but it could be done. And I think that's what the future holds. So I don't think this is a permanent state of affairs with this kinds of with this kind of censorship um, but it, it certainly is daunting it's intimidating and and i don't like it one bit well doug uh we hear a lot of talk about the monopolies that uh, these big tech companies have and as you look at what has happened here to parlor it certainly would look like this is a coordinated effort to knock them off with uh uh, tactics that uh, speak of uh, predatory practices and monopolies, uh, that can only last a certain amount of time. And especially in a, in a free uh, capital in a capitalistic society, someone is going to move in where they can eventually make money if the playing field is, uh, is uh, made a little more level. Right. I, and, and that's, that's the key. Will the playing field be, uh, made level. Uh, we've got the Democrats coming into control. They're going to control both houses of Congress and, and the White House. Uh, big tech tends to be very closely aligned with the Democratic Party. Uh, I believe Fox News had something this morning that had a full screen graphic, and I don't, I'm not a numbers guy, so I don't remember the numbers, but the contributions that big tech companies uh, paid to the Democratic Party as opposed to the Republican Party were were so wholly lopsided that it's a very key sign uh, where their hearts and minds lie on the political spectrum. So uh, we've got to watch out for what happens in the first few months, I think, of, of the Biden administration and with Democratic control of Congress. Um, there are some encouraging signs, I think. I, I, I hope that most Americans come to their senses and realize that while this is not a violation technically of the First Amendment, which is uh, uh, pertains to government, right. it is a violation of our, our free speech rights. Um, Tony, you, know, uh, you may not know this, but uh, I'm sitting in, in my office here at home with all these boxes of, of correspondence written by my grandfather, who was editor of the Evening Star newspaper in Washington during its heyday, during a, when it was the primary newspaper in Washington. He was also the president of 
of the Associated Press, and he was a, uh, 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 a very powerful defender of the First Amendment uh, during the Cold War years, during the McCarthy days, during uh, the, the fear of the Soviet Union. And he, he wrote about the First Amendment, that the idea of some policeman sitting in judgment of the First Amendment and of free speech is, is untenable. Uh, it's antithetical to the idea of free speech and the First Amendment itself. And he wrote that it's, it's incumbent upon publications, upon newspapers, and now, of course, moving into the digital age, which did not exist back then, incumbent upon individual publishers to exercise their rights responsibly. And And there's a message in that for today's digital age. A lot of these guys are not being responsible uh, overseers of their technology, and algorithms won't do it. Algorithms cannot have the kind of judgment that individual human beings who are morally grounded have, and that's what seems to be lacking here. There, there are excesses on all of these websites. Twitter, even Parler, has some pretty hateful stuff on it, uh, and and you can't accept that, I suppose. But I hearken back to the days of newspapers when when editors would would look at editors to the uh, letters to the editor, and would verify these things. They would make sure that you had to use your name. Uh, they checked on your address, make sure you were a real living human being, and that uh, you believed in what you stood for, and that you you would be willing to attach your name to your opinion. We right. have to move down that road, I think. But. Uh, yeah. Uh, how, how it's done on such a massive scale, which exists in the digital age, is, is, a, is a very, very difficult question. I, I am of the belief that, that algorithms cannot design it because they, they don't have the philosophical and the moral grounding of sane human beings. Right. And the, 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 the criteria that's being used, even as they put human eyes on it, is you know, ob what they call objectionable. Well, that's not been the standard of free speech, it's just because you object to it, that it can be silenced. And I agree right. with you that when you talk about the First Amendment, it is talking about the government. So these are private companies, but these private companies have become virtual public squares, and their actions yes. threaten the freedom of speech. And they've been given the leverage to do that by their protected status by the government, and the government has a right to look at that. They absolutely do. And you, you started off your show today, and I know you're going to have a guest who speaks to this later, that uh, we went through this before at the, at the turn of the 20th century with the robber barons, with, with Standard Oil, with the railroad companies, that uh, they became monopolies. Yeah. And the government thought they had extended their reach too far. Well, and the people so, pushed back. And that's what led that's right. to uh, reform in the first part of the 20th century. And I, I think we're... Look, if you know history, you can kind of be prepared for what is occurring. And I, I, I think that's a part of our challenge is that we don't really know our history, these upcoming generations. That's so true. Need to, need to teach them. That's Doug, true. It, it, yes. we're, we're, we're up against a break. I want to thank you for joining okay. us. Uh, as always, great My to pleasure. talk with you. Thanks for coming on the program today. My pleasure, Tony. Thank you. All right. Have a great afternoon. Doug McElway with the uh, Washington Examiner, a good source, by the way, for, uh, for information. All right, when we come back, uh, the House expected to vote on the uh, invoking the 25th Amendment. Congressman Burgess joins us next. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I, I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible, and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In a recent poll... 
it was revealed that only 6% of Americans hold a biblical worldview. This research also indicated that Christianity's teachings on abortion, marriage, and homosexuality are not only misunderstood, but seen as dangerous and subversive. In response to this trend, Family Research Council has released a new set of resources in our Biblical Worldview series. In addition to our full publications, which cover the topics of Christian political engagement, abortion, religious liberty, and human sexuality, FRC now offers helpful summaries of each publication in this series, as well as accompanying prayer guides to help you and your family pray through these important issues. And finally, our popular biblical principles for political engagement is now available in Spanish. All these resources are free and available at frc.org worldview. Again, that's frc.org worldview. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain, and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you'd like to stay connected, not resting on the social media platforms, text the word STAND to 67742. 67742 will get you connected with Washington Watch and FRC. I had the president down on the border uh, today uh, speaking, actually just a little bit ago, and uh, talking about uh, the effort to silence him. Uh, we were just talking about that. But now there's more. The House R- Rules Committee drafting an article of impeachment uh, that will be voted on the floor tomorrow morning. But the seat picking up a resolution calling on the enactment of the 25th Amendment to re- remove the president from office. Joining us now, Congressman Michael Burgess of uh, Texas. He is a member of the Rules Committee, was in that discussion today. He also he is the uh, congressman for the 26th Congressional District of the Lone Star State. Uh, congressman Burgess, welcome back to Washington Watch. Well, thanks for having me on, Tony. I appreciate it. All right, uh, Congressman, give us the latest. What's unfolding right now? Well, what's unfolding right now is we've been on hold for several hours after the Rules Committee went into recess. We are considering a resolution that right as of right now, it wasn't even a numbered resolution. It was just a draft that calls upon the vice president to invoke the 25th Amendment and take over the office of the presidency for the remainder of this term. It uh, gives the vice president 24 hours to deliver. (laughs) So it's kind of an ultimatum to the vice president. I think uh, what I've heard from the Office of the Vice President, they have no intention of doing that. So it is, uh, it, it, it's an exercise that the Democrats are putting forward. Uh, the interesting thing is they, uh, what I'm hearing on the news shows is they're going to go ahead with impeachment tomorrow. If you're doing that, then why are you going through this 25th Amendment charade today, or are you not going to give the vice president the 24 hours that you said you would? So I'm, uh, I'm kind of at a loss to explain those discrepancies. Suffice it to say, this is very much a very political move on the part of the Democrats. Uh, no secret, they do not like uh, President Trump. They never have. They never will. And this is all about trying to damage him as the uh, in the waning days of his administration so that he cannot run for office in the future, my opinion. Yeah, I was going to say there is an explanation for this. It's called political theater um, because, you know, like you said, if, if you're going to impeach him, impeach him, not go. Th- why go through the process calling on the vice president to uh, invoke the 25th Amendment if you're not going to give him the 24 hours that you, uh, uh, you know, wait the 24 hours that you give him. 
from your perspective as you as you listen to this and but we hear the incoming administration saying they're about unifying America they want to bring civility back I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to find actions meeting those words yes you and I are both you know, that struggle look it's not happening they don't want what what they want is a an admission the, uh, that uh, that Trump is no longer going to be president, that he can never be president in the future. I don't think that's true. I think he stood a very good chance at least a week ago of becoming the first non-consecutive office holder in the uh, in the White House. But uh, we'll see. The, the, this has uh, been a time that has sort of defied prediction. <laughs> Could this come back to bite the Democrats, so to speak, if they're Nancy Pelosi is leading an effort to invoke the 25th Amendment? Um, if Joe Biden gets sideways with, uh, you know, with people, I mean, look, he doesn't have much margin, uh, much of a margin, either in the House or the Senate with some of the stuff he's going to be pushing. And we're in a very volatile time. So if there's riots in cities across America, I mean, is there going to be a call for Joe Biden to step aside? I, you know that's a that's an excellent point, and and in my mind, the Twenty Fifth Amendment poses more of a threat to the Biden presidency than almost anything else. Uh, look, make no mistake about it. What the Rules Committee is doing today is not based on anything in the Constitution. Uh, it is yes, there is a Twenty Fifth Amendment that does allow for the Vice President to temporarily take over the duties of the President. And it outlines the, the mechanism of succession, but there's never been a resolution like this that says you've got 24 hours, put up or shut up, and get the president out of office. That's preposterous to think that anyone thinks that that's okay and that that anyway comports with our constitutional form of government. I mean, stepping back for just a moment, uh, Congressman, I mean, you know, you've been on the program many, many times. Uh, we've we've had a number of conversations over the last four years, but it appears that the political uh, rhetoric has reached a new level in the divisiveness, the, the, the how or divisive our nation is politically, is uh, is at a crisis point. Yeah, I think that's a valid observation, and. Uh... You know, something that struck me last week as this uh, uh, no way to to, to rationalize or explain away what happened with uh, with people entering the Capitol illegally. But it was the first time that I can remember doing such an exercise such as as certifying the electors where the public was not allowed in the building in the first place because of the pandemic. And the fact that we were doing something behind closed doors that people didn't like, uh, it was, it wasn't in, it, it, it did set people off. I don't think there's any question about that. The other thing that I've heard is the president is the first person in the government who has listened to us in a long time. And we don't know if we're going to have anyone there who will listen to us in the future. And I've heard from a lot of folks back home that that bothers them. Yeah, no, I've heard the same thing. And uh, and that's why I think you continue, even after last week, the president's um, public approval rating has actually gone up. Uh, because I think that is something that distinguishes the president, even for those things you disagree about the president, he kept his promises. He represented the average man, the forgotten man, as he often said. And, and I, I, people are not easily going to forget that. No, sir. Congressman Michael Burgess, thanks so much for uh, joining us and giving us the latest on what is happening there on Capitol Hill. Anytime. Glad to do it. Thanks, Tony. All right. Um, well, folks, I, I will continue to drive the point of how divided the nation is. And, and this is, um, yeah, yes, we need to contend for the truth. You'll never hear me back away from that. But we also need to be prayerful about it because we need a breakthrough in America. We, we really do. We need God to move in our nation. We, we cannot continue on this present course. Now, I want to talk when we come back. You know, these, uh, those that are claiming they want civility to return, they're making lists. Well, what's on their list, or I should say who is on their list? We're going to talk about that next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away.
The history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org/china. Oh man, what's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah. Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed, so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org/app and download, or search "Stand Firm" in the App Store. Okay, that's "Stand Firm." Yep, "Stand Firm." How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Write that down. I have a daily update that we send out. If you don't get it, you can sign up for it at TonyPerkins.com. Also, you can connect with us by texting the word STAND, 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 at 67742. That's 67742. 67742. Text the word stand. Not going to text you a lot of stuff, but just a way to, for us to keep you informed on what is happening because the trustworthy news sources are uh, going by the wayside as they're being gobbled up uh, by the, the left and, um, you know, I guess going woke uh, as the pressure is applied to them. So I want to talk about these uh, these lists that are being made. AOC, you know, right before the election uh, took place, said, you know, we're, we're, we're making a list of those who are uh, supporting Trump and so on and so forth. But we've seen in the, uh, the days uh, since last week the number of platforms. Uh, Doug mentioned this uh, earlier in the first segment about the number of uh, platforms that have banned or restricted uh, President Trump. Uh, Reddit, Twitch, and I don't know a lot of these. Shopify, Twitter, Google, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Snapchat, TikTok, Apple, uh, by removing Parler's uh, app, uh, Discord, Pinterest, Amazon, uh, their uh, cloud system that booted off uh, Parler, Stripe, that was the credit card processing company. Uh, so it, it's a, it's a, um, well, I, it would appear, I can't say that I know this because I don't know this, but the way in which all of this happened, it looked like there was collusion, um, and uh, that is illegal to, uh, to, to well, well, we'll see what happens with it. But it was interesting to look at the world leaders and their response to how big tech is censoring uh, President Trump. The uh, Angela Merkel, German chancellor, says it's problematic. Uh, the junior minister for European affairs, uh, f- uh, U- Union Europe, the French uh, junior minister for European Union affairs, Clement Bayoun, said that it, he was shocked uh, by this kind of decision. Uh, this should be directed by citizens, not by a CEO. Uh, the French minister, uh, finance minister, Bruno Le Maire, also condemned the move and said that uh, tech giants were part of a digital oligarchy 
that was a threat democracy. In fact, world over. I mean, you go to uh, Norway's left-wing Labor Party uh, leader said big tech censorship threatens political freedom around the world. The uh, Australian government uh, t- called it censorship. I mean, so it, it's pretty universal. I mean, these are these are countries that really on the left culturally, and they're shocked by what's happening here in the United States to free speech and how these uh, big companies are censoring the president of the United States. So, folks, if, he can cens- if they can censor the president, boot him off, and they seize this opportunity that they saw last week with what happened at the Capitol, which I have repeatedly denounced, it is not the way forward. But as I said, they're making these lists. Now, there is a, uh, a website, it's, it's since been kind of uh, hidden, that um, it's called the Trump Accountability, Accountability Project, and it lists all the people associated with Trump in the administration, appointees, donors, law firms, endorsers, um, senior advisors, all the way down to the chief uh, calligrapher. Uh, all listed here for the purpose of denying them future jobs. What? I mean, isn't this the same people that say you have a right to a living wage? Isn't that what Bernie Sanders said? But look, you know, AOC is not the uh, the only one making a list, and these people on the right. So don't be quick to dismiss the threat because it comes from the methane obsessed AOC. Um, here's one. This came out. Randall Lane, the chief content officer and editor of Forbes saying, in this time of transition and pain, reinvigorating democracy requires a reckoning, a truth reckoning, starting with the people paid by the people to inform the people. Talking about Trump's uh, communication team. He says, going on to quote from his article, as American democracy rebounds, we need to return to a standard of truth when it comes to how the government communicates with the governed. I would say amen to that. Should have tried that 10 years ago. The easiest way to do that from where I sit, is what he writes, is to create repercussions for those who don't follow the civic norms. Really? Whose norms? Well, their norms. And, and they go on to basically say that, uh, in fact, they go on to the members of Congress. Now these uh, big companies getting in saying that they are going to withhold campaign contributions to the Republicans who voted uh, in a, to object to the certification of the Electoral College. Uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield saying uh, that it was suspending all support to the 147 Republicans who voted to subvert the results. Marriott Internationals, Commerce Bank Shares, Dow Incorporated, Citibank, MasterCard, AT&T, Airbnb, Verizon, PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, Comcast, NBC, Universal. Hallmark, all saying that we're cutting off political funds to those who voted what their constituents wanted because they questioned the validity of the election. A lot of folks on the list. It's all designed to silence and to intimidate and, quite frankly, scare people away from looking at the facts. Folks, we need to look at the facts. But we also need to look at the fact that this is not unique. We've been here before. Joining me next, Professor Dave Bratt. We talk about the robber barons of the 1800s. They're back. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com.
Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. There is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org slash Hyde. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to uh, have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Again, uh, to stay connected with us, uninterrupted, text the word STAND to 67742. Text the word STAND to 67742. All right, monopolies are abounding again. You know, we've seen this same scenario before but unfortunately you know we're not really teaching history anymore and i think people have forgotten and and i i I think i made reference to this you know we get into a crisis situation and we get what is called tunnel vision and and i've seen this over and over again through the 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 uh, hurricanes this this is a term that I first was made aware of when I was a police officer. And and when you get into a pursuit, and I've actually had this happen to me, where you literally get tunnel vision and your your eyes restrict and you you cannot see, your peripheral vision is lost. And and it's, it's, you you train not to fall into this, but it happens and you have to be aware of it. But it also happens emotionally. I've seen it in the the wake of these hurricanes that we've had in, in South Louisiana that I've been a part of now for the last 20 years, the response. When it happens, communication breaks down. You get this uh, emotional tunnel vision. You think there's no future. And you and sometimes people act out of desperation. And I think when we see a crisis like this, and there's no question in my mind, this is a crisis. What, what happened, what has unfolded since the election, what happened last week in Washington, we are in a crisis moment. But we cannot see this as this, this single moment in time. We have to have a broader perspective and understand that, as Solomon said, as I said at the beginning of the program, there's nothing new under the sun. And this, what we're facing right now, different names, different industries, but very similar to the late 1800s with the robber barons who were, you know, like Standard Oil, 90% of the oil market uh, until, I think, 1911 when the monopoly was broken up, and I think uh, 34 different con- con- uh, companies were created out of that, and voila, we had competition. That was driven by a push from the public because of what was happening, and it it created, in many ways, I think, shaped the 20th century. But 
to to uh, speak even more informed about this is my next guest, no stranger to our listeners, Dr. Dave Bratt. He is the dean of the School of Business at Liberty University, former member of Congress from Virginia, and he joins us now. Uh, Dave, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you, Tony. Honored to be on. Thank you. So um, are there similarities between what we're seeing today with the big tech giants and the robber barons of the late 1800s? Yeah. I mean, eventually the, you know, other conservatives that said power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And, you know, that's kind of Solomonic wisdom as well. And so uh, back in the day, the monopolies ended up harming people. And as soon as people feel the harm, then things change. And so the good news is you can't think of many monopoly products, you know, from 20 or 30 years ago that are still around, right? Records, cassette, eight tracks or whatever, technology, the old computers. Uh, or, or AT&T or, or, or AT&T yeah. or, yeah. or Ma Bell, as it yep. was, that, you know, you had to right. wait till Sunday afternoons between noon and 5 <laughs> p.m. to make a long-distance phone call. Right, right. Right, right. And so, the, you know, in purely economic terms, I trust the markets and all that. The, the new anomaly is when, when you get the economics coordinating with the state. And, uh, you know, the big news flash yesterday was what you get Angela Merkel in Germany uh, warning Twitter, hey, you know, the warnings are OK, but deplatforming, that's serious. And so when you have Germany, right, uh, they're familiar right. with national socialism right. and the firms voluntarily submitted before the federal government and and then they were rewarded handsomely for their efforts that's the part we got to be awake for and so there's the on the economic front you're right we're gonna we'll get through that part uh, but this this new uh, leftist politics uh is worrisome as well but even even that i mean the the, the government's um of the late 1800s, early 1900s, for a while, tolerated the robber barons because they bought them off. Uh, yep. They allowed it. But ultimately, I mean, th- that's the beauty of our system. As, as manipulated at times as it is, corrupted yep. as, as it is at times, it ha- the, the, the founders had a genius about the design that allows itself to, to, to be righted. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's still hope. Uh, even on the political side, yesterday I saw a uh, mansion in Virginia who identifies as, you know, a Christian conservative Democrat. And he said uh, a few weeks ago, and he re-upped and re again yesterday and said, I'm not for uh, packing the courts. I'll be a no vote on that. I'm not for uh, a new uh, statehood. And uh, I'm not for uh, ending the filibuster. He said the Senate was set up by the founders that you just mentioned uh, to be a body which uh, is bipartisan. And uh, he wants to work to get to 60 or 65, he said, so not 51. And uh, so, you know, there, there are heroic figures that do stand up on principle. And, you know, not, not shockingly, he turns out to be a Christian. Who's principled yeah, on the yeah, Democrat side, and so that's some. That's he's great. a he, he's a good guy. I mean, he's uh, yep. you know he's obviously the Democratic Party has principles today that I yep. I just cannot uh, yeah. stomach, but he is uh, he's one of a, uh, a, a I guess a dying breed of Democrats that uh, yeah. has a set of principles that he doesn't violate. Yeah, no, he does. I mean, it, it, it is shocking how he can be in a party, right? The Democrat Party platform explicitly got rid of all God language. And so it's tough for him. You can tell he, he's, he's, he's got tension in, in, in his mind and soul. And so we'll see how he navigates this. Now, a lot of your former colleagues uh, talking about the, of course, they're in the minority, so they really can't do this right now. They can talk about it. But looking at the antitrust laws and using those to go after um, the big tech companies. I mean, if you, as I mentioned at the top of the program, you had uh, Standard Oil. They had 90 percent of the U.S. oil market, and it was in uh, uh, 1911. The government broke up Standard Oil into 34 different pieces. Uh, today, when you look at Google, they control 92 percent of the global search engine market. Yeah, no, that's right. And our, our uh, the, the Dems, you know, Bernie 
and the Bernie brothers and sisters out there in the, in the populist movement on the left are going to have some heartburn uh, when they find out that our big six tech firms are worth more, that the market capitalization of our tech firms in the U.S., just six of them, are bigger than all of the European stock markets combined with, for all stocks, not just tech. And so there is a giant concentration of power and wealth on the left. And so, again, in the long run, the good news is usually these monopolies die out by the second, third generation. The sons and the sons and the sons and the daughters now are not disciplined a few generations later. And so we know it wears off. Uh, but right now, everyone is, you know, rightly concerned about the present moment because uh, they're seeing things they cannot believe could ever happen in America. Yeah. Is there a um, a potential coalition, Dave, between those Bernie Sanders, those on the left and those on the right for different motivations, though, but to go after big tech? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it that issue is bipartisan. And uh, 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 Senator, uh, I'm blanking on his name, Van. Uh, He's one of the leaders in the Senate of the Democrats. Said he put together a bill on, on the big tech uh, several months ago. Uh, they have bipartisan uh, movement against uh, the big tech monopolies, accumulation of wealth. And so, yeah, no, there's there's uh, on, on the left, there's a guy named Kotkin, a socialist theorist, who has proposed in public uh, an alliance between the Trump populace and the Bernie populace. And I, I think that is going to be the re- realignment. It's not going to be Republicans versus Democrats. It's going to be globalists versus the populists. And uh, the folks who look out for the middle class, and instead of sticking elites on your boards as proxies you know, for uh, being politically correct and filling out the identity buckets and all that kind of thing, uh, yeah. the old liberals and the, the populists want to see, hey, do you, do you care for the poorest of the poor? Are you helping kids with K-12 education to become successful in business? And the populace on both sides of the uh, aisle want to see something like that, an America that takes care of the middle class. Right. Well, and, and I actually thought about that when I was, um, you know, Amazon, I haven't, they haven't been in the news as much lately in terms of the conditions of their workers. But, you know, there was a yeah. year or so ago, there was story after story about the uh, harsh conditions of their workers. And it reminded me of Upton Sinclair's book, The Jungle. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. and and what uh, they were facing in these uh, meatpacking uh, facilities in Chicago and other places. And, and that was very much, that was written in 1905, I believe. That was very much a part of the what they called back then the progressive movement, different definition of progressive, but it brought in a wave of these reforms. And I couldn't help but think of, you know, Amazon, big, uh, you know, giant robber baron of the 21st century, um, having the same poor uh, working conditions for their employees. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it 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 also reminds me of some economists. I mean, there's a whole economic literature on all of that, right? And so, all of economic theory to have working markets, you have to have a, you know a hundred or a thousand firms competing against each other. Well, that's certainly not true in the Amazon case or in the tech case. They're virtual monopolies. And every economist under the sun should be in open revolt here. And so the question is, what's happened to higher ed? And where are the Nobel laureates in in economics speaking out? And, of course, that's been addressed in the economic literature also. It's called economic capture. The schools have been bought out. uh, And if you're an economist that speaks out on the truth, uh, your school will tell you, hey, you know, we got some connections to the boards, you know, these board foundations, and they're giving us billions of dollars and they're friends with all these elites. And so, you know, maybe shift your research to another topic. And so it's that's more called, of the you know, economic regulatory capture. And that, that's uh, widely known. And it just as the silencing. It's the silencing of all yeah. opposition. Yeah. And, th- and you know, from a, in a Christian perspective, you have a calling, and our calling is to serve God, et cetera. And then you just wonder how in the world you're, you're calling you to be an economist and you're a leftist, or, and, and the, the conservatives are not speaking out either. The, there's no economist at Harvard or Yale or MIT right. or et cetera speaking out. This is you know, chapter one in economics, to have a working market. You cannot have these market failures and monopolies and concentration of power and market capture. Otherwise, but, but- the whole grand experiment of economics is dead. 
Right. And so and, for them not to be speaking out right now, it, it, it's 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 a violation of their calling if they have one. I hope, I hope they rediscover it. Well, Dave, and I go back, uh, not to beat a dead horse, but I go back to the period of the robber barons because the situation was yeah. very similar. And that's it was the people that pushed back that ultimately led to those reforms. And I think that's where we find ourselves once again. It's not yeah. going to come from the educational institutions. It's not going to come from the, the political establishment. It's going to come from the people that say enough is enough. Now, here's, the, the I think, the challenge we face today is that in many ways they've been bought off with cheap Chinese products and the ease that uh, Amazon provides. And so it's almost as if they've been bribed to just be quiet. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's right. And we've become uh, very rich and very spoiled as Americans. And so you're right to point. You point back to the robber barons. The people spoke out. Well, how'd they speak out? They didn't even have Internet. They didn't have email. They did it through the power of of local communities getting together, through churches, uh, through writing letters to the congressmen. So we're spoiled. We we have plenty of potential. The people do need to speak out, and you still have access to the web. You still have access to all the podcasts. You still have access to you, email. You still and have so access to a pen and paper. Right. That's right. That's right. So it's up to everybody out there listening. Not only spread the word, but tell your friends, neighbors, churches to spread the word as well. That's right. That's right. We we, we are not without recourse. Uh, Dave Bratt, I want to thank you for joining us. As always, great to talk with you and uh, appreciate you coming on today. Hey, God bless. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for all you do. All right. Uh, Dave Bratt, dean of the School of Business at Liberty University. Sharp guy. Very, very knowledgeable. I always always love to talk to him, help uh, put things in uh, perspective. You know, I failed to mention this uh, earlier when I was talking about all of those that are going after the 147 members of Congress who voted to object to the election results. You know, all these corporations, the big tech companies. Where were they back in 2005 when 31 House Democrats voted to overturn the presidential election and the results out of the state of Ohio? Um, where were they then? You know, we talked about the fact that that was challenged uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but I didn't look at this. Uh, Rachel Bovard sent this to me. The fact 31 Democrats voted to overturn the presidential election. In fact, there's a handful of them still in Congress. Double standard? Why didn't, uh, why didn't corporate America go crazy back then? Why didn't, of course, we didn't have the big tech giants were just on the just emerging. But there's clearly a double standard being employed. This is more about silencing conservative opposition. This is the new left. They don't want to debate. They don't want a discussion. They want to silence. Well, all the more reason we must continue to speak out. All right, folks, again, text the word STAND to 67742. That's 67742, the word STAND. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says when you've done everything you can do, well, just keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.